This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October 20th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Much information is more freely available than it ever has been, but more and more information that will be valuable to the world in years to come is classified or designated as private property. Robert Laughlin, a Nobel Prize-winning physicist, believes that the information economy will mean bad things for the ability of individuals to own their own creativity. He details his thoughts in his new book, The Crime of Reason. We spoke following a Cato Book Forum October 10th. You said in your presentation that you're an optimist, but you also had some pretty uh, down things to say. When you talk about science interacting with uh, intellectual property and our ability to continue uh, creating freely, don't you think it's uh, at some point inevitable that law itself is going is going to bend to the to the needs of science? Great question. Uh, no, and that's one of the reasons I was driven to write a book, actually. And the analogy I like to draw, and I did in this book, is with slavery. If you recall, the political issue of slavery never got resolved legally. It was just too valuable economically. And so the only way to solve the problem was to have a terrible war. That is is an example of how certain kinds of conflicts between rights issues on the one hand and economic issues on the other have no solution, except through violence. Now, what I suspect is that this conflict that we have now between intellectual property rights on the one hand and artistic rights on the other, or right to learn, is another one of those issues that has no solution. I also think that it will not end in violence. And the reason why not is that when push comes to shove, what people really care about most is the security of their homes and families and uh, well-being, physical well-being. And they will give up uh, the right to reason and understand in order to be physically secure. And my read on the way things are moving at the moment is that that's where we're going. This particular de facto human right is going away and uh, will be permanently lost. What do you see as a fix to that in terms of our current uh, system of law for handling ideas and the increasing complexity of ideas? You know, um, that's another reason I wrote a book about this subject. You see, uh, I think it's such a cosmic, historic matter that uh, it's above my pay grade to answer that question. We have people working in the federal legislature who have been working very hard to find the right compromise that will protect the economy on the one hand and protect human rights on the other. And what they've made is flawed, but most legislation is when when you start trying to find compromises. And so um, I think my role in this process, if any, is just to help get the data back to the people making the planning. And the data I'm giving back is that there's a side effect to, um, to protecting economic interests that one has to think about very carefully, or one ought to think about very carefully as one is making your plans. At some point, intellectual property will be within uh, beings that uh, have make their own decisions and and uh, have their own intellectual capacity to make decisions for themselves. Won't 
that point come? Won't it have? Won't we have to, to grapple with uh, with issues of of uh, who controls what ideas and whether certain ideas have to simply be uh, widely dispersed? The answer is sure. You have to deal with those issues, and we're dealing. But with you them see, now. you see, you see, you seem kind of down on the, on on how that is actually going to be resolved. Well, the reason I, that's true, I am rather down on it, and the reason is because I take seriously our transition to the information age. I don't think that's a, a slogan. I think it's really happened, and deindustrialization is its symptom, and it's just like 2 plus 2 is 4 to me, that when you enter the information age, when physical means are no longer valuable, you are living in a time when knowledge becomes sequestered. Knowledge has to become dear because otherwise no one will pay for it. A knowledge economy is necessarily an economy in which knowledge is scarce. Now that's just elementary economics and I think that's what's happened and that's the future that we're going into. Now, uh, what about the frontiersman idea of, of making your own way, learning on your own, taking care of yourself, and so forth? Indeed. Indeed. I think a collateral victim of the information age is the frontiersman. Expand on that. What do you mean? Well, um, when the frontier closed physically, that meant that setting up your house on a piece of land um, was probably a, a um, trespass because the land is owned by somebody else. So in a, in a developed region of intellectual frontier, setting up your intellectual property, your, your intellectual uh, uh, environment locally, just setting it up, homesteading, if you will, is a violation of someone else's property rights, and you have to stop, and they evict you. Well, this is uh, very sad where we're going here with this, but uh, what's the upside? The, let me answer the question this way. I, you're groping for optimism. You see, I'm an optimist. Well, of course I am. What distinguishes an optimist from a pessimist is chemistry. You know, you're just born that way, so I am inherently optimistic. The book, however, is not optimistic. It's written humorously, but the message is very, very dark. It, uh, I, and, I, and, I, and I wrote the thing uh, under advisement. I've been thinking about the matter for many years as I've seen, uh, seen the intellectual uh, sequestration grow and also military sequestration of knowledge grow. And um, I've asked myself again and again, what am I doing? As an intellectual, I, I, um, I, I'm a very independent person, but, but I don't want to break the law. And everywhere I turn, where there's an interesting issue, there's a potential legal problem with it, where I, I can't go there. And what I discovered was that I'm not the only person experiencing that. Many other people are too. In fact, almost without exception, the truly independent thinkers are bumping up against property issues or national security issues uh, that thwart them. And um, so, yes, the message of the book is very dark. The, the side effect of being safe and being prosperous is that we're doing immense damage 
to our to intellectual future, and that's just that's just the way it is. And uh, now, uh, how the future will come out will depend on how the compromise is weighed. Right now, I'm counseling everybody interested in technological things to lose that interest as soon as they can, because uh, almost certainly it will lead them to uh, some sort of terrible economic conflict later, where they're they're pursuing their interests, but in fact they're encountering a property problem, and therefore it will be hurtful to them economically. And I think their parents are not paying for me, paying me to instruct them on how to hurt themselves economically. They want they're paying me to help them. So the way I'm helping them and steering them away from intellectual activities that are economically dangerous. These uh, confrontations between individual creativity and uh, law and intellectual property are becoming more, uh, it seems, obvious and clear. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't there develop some kind of uh, a critical mass in uh, trying to develop or make some sort of uh, radical change to the system of, of law that we have now? Well, that's a very interesting question. And, of course, this now we're on the central thing, which is the thing we're talking about now is not a matter of technology at all. It's a matter of law. What the law of the land will, will be and what the law of civilization will be, by the way, because the problem we're talking about is repeated in various versions in every country in the world. Now, uh, what I think as a citizen is that uh, my, my elected representatives are between a rock and a hard place on this one. And um, yes, we're having a, a, a huge political altercation in our society right now over it. And I actually, I don't fault anybody for the decisions they've made. The, the decisions have been very thoughtful. Now, they haven't been completely informed, but you can't. You know, it's like a war situation. You, you, have, you have partial information, and you, and you make the laws as best you can based on what you know, and then see what happens. Now, um, so as a citizen, I guess what I'd like is an sort of an open understanding of what the compromise is. Make sure everybody understands exactly what they're giving up for prosperity and safety. Now I have no no doubt, since I've, I've raised a family, I have no doubt that most everybody will come down on the side of prosperity and safety. That's the way human beings are, and I don't, I don't fault them. But we should all understand what we're doing here. We should, we should all understand that um, there's, there's, there's going to be a side effect. You hear mumbles about it already in the Silicon Valley. You hear, you know, there isn't a lot, there isn't as much innovation, and no one can quite put their finger on what it is. Well, um, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, which is the brains aren't going there anymore. Why not? Well, because the, the profit for them personally has been hurt by these property issues, and the economic opportunities for them are less than they were before. And so the best people are going elsewhere. So yes, uh, we need to have a, a talk about this in the body politic. And by the way, also to have this discussion vis-a-vis -vis law outside the United States. 
uh, because much of our deindustrialization experience has to do with offloading industrial capacity overseas. And um, the law, the legal milieu in the places where the, the industrial capacity is being sent is different than it is here. Right and wrong, the whole concept of right and wrong and legitimacy are different than they are here. The whole concept of property protection is different. And uh, so this is not a time to be ethnocentric either. And this is a time when you need to take off your cultural blinders and begin to understand the, the world, not just the United States. <clears throat> uh, even libertarians who generally have a quick answer to uh, all, a whole host of issues are, are, are strictly divided on this issue and a lot of the people I run with are basically sort of agnostic on the existence of, of intellectual property just as a, as a, a theoretical matter. Um, is that, is there, a, is it a time, is this a time to, to, uh, to feel that way? Uh, to feel agnostic about intellectual property? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are talking about that and you'll find that the discussion is very polarized and that's because it's big. Great big issues are always like that because each individual has only a part understanding of the whole problem. So what you'll find is that the pro-property people have a poor understanding of the artistic side and also um, of the struggles people go through in making their way into the economy. You know, how does a smart person who comes from nowhere do that? Okay. The other side of the coin is you'll find people who... who uh, who are very independent don't understand economics. And in particular, um, what happens when you have poor rules of ownership of things? There are great big macro things that happen in societies when the ownership rules are, are, are poor and, you, and, and they're very negative, very detrimental things. Uh, so you'll find people talking sort of like like lawnmowers, uh, blabbermouths about big companies taking this and taking that. And these are the very same people who say, oh, yes, subsidize the banks when Wall Street is going down. They don't understand it's exactly the same problem, that that the, the, the concentration of capital is analogous to the concentration of intellectual capital. You need to do that to be prosperous in, a, in modern society. And so you can't be against that and live. That's, that's for children, right? We have to be grown-ups and understand that there's going to be intellectual property because that's what the transition to the information age is. Um, I do think that people who are crowing about the transition to the information age uh, need to stop doing that, however, because there's an implication of it that uh, they probably didn't think about before, which is they themselves are going to become obsolete as knowledge itself becomes sequestered. Is that the kind of a society you want to live in? Well, you know, we don't know. We're trying to grope our way forward. I guess what I want is I want it all. You know, I want to be, I want to be safe and prosperous and free. And I guess what the real answer is, you can't have all three. You have to have compromise, some sort of proper compromise among them. And so I, what I want as a citizen is that we get the compromise right. Robert Laughlin, a Nobel Prize-winning physicist, is author of the new book, The Crime of Reason. 
You can watch the full Cato book forum at our website, cato.org.